We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Kyle Porter. Kyle, we have made it through the regular season, and we now know where OSU is going bowling. You excited for the Camping World Bowl? No, I'm not. Um, you know, it was kind of a bad sign over the last quarter of the season when when you were hoping for the Alamo Bowl. You you you, you didn't want to come into the season like with with like like hoping to get to the Alamo Bowl at the end of the year. Uh, but that's where we were, and Oklahoma State didn't get there because TCU got bumped out. Uh, because of the shellacking they took at the hands of OU in the Big 12 title game. And here we are, two 9-3 and three teams in what used to be the Blockbuster Bowl back in the early 90s. I remember I remember that. I remember filling out my, my bowl picks in the, in the 90s <laughs> as a kid when it was the Blockbuster Bowl. Um, I don't know. Fun, fun opponent, not a very fun bowl, though. Man, Blockbuster, when I was a kid, I used to beg my dad to go take me there to rent a video game all the time oh yeah that brings that brings back some memories it used to be the uh russell athletic bowl before that or after that too champ sports yeah just all the gear you don't want basically (laughs) (laughs) the russell athletic now camping world it's like not even bass pro yeah Is, is that is camping world below cabela's and bass pro i i don't know i i we were uh my wife and i were discussing this we're talking about the camping world or I don't know. It got brought up somehow and we were driving the other day and you know how, when you're talking about something, then you start noticing things that are like, you know, of that name oh, yeah. or oh, we yeah. saw, we saw a camping world. I think it was in Oklahoma maybe. And I was like, there it is. It's the camping world. I've never seen one before. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I'm not totally sure if it, it feels like a, uh, yeah, kind of a knockoff Cabela. It's like, Maybe the Stillwater High School head coach has a has a camping world house in the way that Gundy has a Cabela's house. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm not sure. That's kind of what it feels like. Well, I will be covering it for Channel Five. I'm not excited to fly to Orlando during the holiday season. It'll probably be me and Disney kids screaming the entire flight to Orlando. So I can't wait for that. But. Uh, <laughs> I have covered this bowl before, and it's actually like this—the little sister bowl to the Citrus. There's it's yep. two. They, the Citrus hosts this bowl, and I covered it back when OU played Clemson and got shellacked, uh, the end of the Josh Heupel, Trevor Knight era, so to speak. And they just assume like the Citrus people are just like it's just—they don't even treat you like you're at a bowl game. They're like, oh yeah, you're covering the the other bowl. Okay, that's cool. And yeah, it's, it's, it's not even like you're at a bowl game, really. At least as far as covering it, I'm not sure about. As far as fans go, I'm sure if you go to Orlando, you can go hang out at Disney, which is pretty cool. But the Camping World Bowl makes the Alamo Bowl look like the Fiesta. (laughs) So I think that kind of leads to our our next bit of discussion is just how disappointing the season was. I mean, Mike Gundy made some controversial statements that uh, had Twitter riled up. He posted about it on the blog. He basically said... uh, Nine and three season is not a disappointment. Where were you when you heard this? and Did you fall out of your chair? I was actually on the conference call when he said it. There was a Camping World conference call, <laughs> if you'll if you'll believe that, on Sunday. And the question, I think it was from Barry Trammell. He said, "With this being a disappointing season, like sort of like it, like it's a universal conclusion that it's a disappointing season because it is." Um, do you do you still think fans will? 
travel well to Orlando for, for this bowl game? And Gundy started to answer it, and then he kind of circled back and said, well, you know, I don't. this wasn't really a, a, a disappointing season, and, you know, it's really difficult to win nine games. And, 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 yeah, I think they'll travel well because our fans always travel well or whatever. And it was like, come on. Like, I, I'm the biggest proponent of Mike Gundy out there. Like, I, I think he's underrated by Oklahoma State fans. I think he's – I don't, I don't know if he is nationally a great coach, but he's a perfect coach for Oklahoma State and, and doesn't get enough credit for what he's done. Um, their last losing season, Carson, was 2005. And every other Big 12 team besides OU has had a losing season since like 2013. I mean, it's it's remarkable the consistency they've shown. But let's call the season what it was. You favored in all 12 games and you lose three of them at home. That's, that is a, dis, that is the definition of a disappointing season. So I, I thought that comment was kind of frustrating, mostly because he's been so honest throughout the year. And, and I don't feel like that was being very honest at all. Well, he is correct. Technically that it's hard to win nine games because they should have lost to Texas and they could have lost to <laughs> Iowa state. So it was hard to win nine games, but no, I mean, it's clear to anyone anyone it's a, it was a disappointing season now I do understand where he's coming from and that the players uh he's trying to keep them invested trying to keep them excited about going to Orlando I, I get all that and, you know he, tr- he trumpeted the fact they'd never been there uh so I mean I, while I understand he has a program to run and he can't just come out and say yeah it sucks like we're going to the camping world I'm so I'm so disappointed like I get he can't say that but to, to act like nine wins was a great accomplishment with this team is is silly. So I thought yeah. I thought it looked worse in print probably than it did. I mean, you listened to it. Did it sound worse, uh, or did it read worse in print than it sounded of him talking about it? Well, the the reason it sounded bad when he was talking about it is because he went out of his way to address it, and so it, it wasn't like he was asked, "Was this season a disappointment, or was it was it not?" But it was like a it was like a throwaway statement at the beginning of a question about something else, and he addressed that instead of and and then went on to the actual question. And so it it was it was weird, like kind of the 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 route that he took to get to making that statement. And I don't know, it just there's a way to frame it positively or optimistically that he did not do. Uh, and still be honest about the fact that, hey, we should have been in the Big 12 title game this year. We should have been in a New Year's Six. That, that was the expectation coming into the year. Does anybody inside the Oklahoma State organization not think that? No, there's no way. If you had asked everybody in August, what's the successful season, the, the floor was playing in the Big 12 title game. And they didn't do that. And that's a disappointment. I, I, don't, I don't think it matters what he says on the Camping World Bowl conference call. Yeah, and I think all you got to do is watch the Big 12 title game. Like that, that should have been OSU. They were the only team that could give OU, yeah, a, a game really in, in that scenario. So they really messed up their entire season by just not being ready to play at all against TCU. You go back and watch that game. Yep. They were not ready to play in the first half. I think they, coming off the non-conference schedule, they were starting to believe their own hype, mm-hmm. and it's kind of been a, a problem for Mike Gundy. He has a losing record in Big 12 openers. Yeah, think about that. He hasn't lost very many Big 12 games the last you know, throughout his tenure after you get past the first season. And he mm-hmm. has a losing record in Big 12 openers. That's a shocking statistic. And one we've talked about, you know, do they play enough tough competition and on conference, et cetera. But they'll look back on that TCU game more so than, than OU or Kansas State, I believe. Yeah, absolutely. And I just think that, 
I mean, I wrote this on Tuesday. I think Oklahoma State TCU play on a neutral field right now, this Saturday. I think Oklahoma State's favored, maybe by a touchdown. I mean, do you, do you agree with that? Well, they were favored by 12 the first meeting. I think it might <laughs> be close to that again. Yeah, it, it, and, and that's the that's the part that, I mean, I, I listed the teams that were, there's six teams. I went back and looked. We talked about this, I think, a couple of weeks ago. There's six teams that were favored in every game. Uh, Central Florida was not one of them, by the way. I, I think that was one of the teams that you and I thought would 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 be one of them, and they were not. They were a they were an underdog to Maryland in week two after Maryland beat Texas in week. Uh, they played in week one, I think. Um, but anyway, it was it was Ohio State, Notre Dame, Oklahoma State, Clemson, Alabama, and Washington. Those were the six teams that were favored. Two of those teams are in the playoff, Alabama, Clemson. Two of them are in a New Year's Six Bowl, Washington and Ohio State. And then Notre Dame and Oklahoma State are both playing in, in, or, in Orlando at the, at the end of December. That says it all. I mean, um, yeah, there's no other way to put it. I mean, I thought, I thought they were, were going to get into the Alamo, but, again, the Big 12 title game hurts TCU. It knocks them completely out of the – the New Year's Six portion, which obviously bumps OSU down, but um, I think I do think it's an interesting matchup, Kyle, playing Virginia Tech. You know, Justin Fuente, who we've talked a lot about, who uh, we we both kind of would have liked to have seen take over for OSU if Gundy were to leave for Tennessee. Uh, he's doing a great job, and it's a tough game. I mean, you're going to the Camping World Bowl; it's disappointing, but you're facing a pretty good team. Yeah, they are. And, you know, I was looking at the numbers. It's, you know, styles make fights, I think, is something that gets said a lot. And Virginia Tech's defense is legit. I think they're number six in points per drive on defense. And so it'll be fun to see the number three offense against the number six defense. And then on the flip side, Virginia Tech's offense stinks. It is terrible. They're like 86th in the country in points per drive. So. Can the Oklahoma State defense? I mean, what does Oklahoma State have to hold them to 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 give themselves a good chance to win? Virginia Tech hasn't scored thirty point more than thirty points since like the beginning of October. Their last five <laughs> games, I don't think they scored over over like twenty eight points. So it, it just um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I think it'll be the best defense that Oklahoma State's seen all year from a numbers perspective. I think you could argue Texas, maybe Iowa State. It's just it's. It's hard for me to see any defense in the country really holding Oklahoma State down. I guess Texas did, obviously, but I don't know. We'll see. It should be fun. I think it'll be a um, at least an intriguing matchup. Uh, other than the fact that it's on at four fifteen on like a Thursday afternoon uh, in <laughs> in Orlando with with not that many people in attendance. Virginia Tech beat Pitt twenty to fourteen. Yeah, their offense stinks. <laughs> they stink. They got they got good defense though. We'll yeah. see if they can handle uh, Rudolph and Washington. Are you surprised they're playing in the bowl game? I, I, at first, I was kind of surprised they would play in a game like this. You know, it's not a big bowl. They have the NFL to get ready for. But then I thought, you know, they came back for their senior year. I don't think they came back for their senior year just to skip the bowl game. So I, I kind of see it both ways. But hearing Mason Rudolph talk this week, it sound, sure sounds like he's ready to play. Virginia Tech almost has as bad of an offense as Texas, by the way. Um, I, I Knowing what I know just about them, I'm not super surprised. I, I, I am someone who I do not blame them at all if they want to sit out. I mean, have at it. 
you know, you, you've done everything you could over the last four years. Like if you don't want to risk, you know, playing a, in a game that an exhibition game, not even a good and not even a good one um, because of your NFL draft status, then man, more power to you. Like I, I don't, I, I don't be downgrade anybody who, who does that. Um, so yeah, I, I'm not surprised that they're playing, but I wouldn't hold against them if they didn't. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. Um, and OSU's been good in bowls lately. They've been—they come out aggressive. They—they they run trick plays. Uh, <laughs> there's regular Mike Gundy, and there's bowl game Mike Gundy. Do you think we'll continue to see bowl game Mike Gundy? Why can't? That's like a regular Rob Lowe and Direct TV <laughs> Rob Lowe. Like, why, why can't bowl game Mike Gundy coach for twelve games in a regular season? Yeah, it's uh, he said this on the conference call. He said, you know, allows us to do a little new scheming, some just some different scheming and stuff. <laughs> and it's like, well, why don't you do some of that scheming against like Texas or against like OU? I can't really complain about Kansas OU, State, t- TCU. Like, I, I, I yeah, it, it's weird. Like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't totally get it but um i don't know what did you think about I-, I wanted to ask you just get your reaction about like the playoffs and and kind of the bowl fallout from the four teams that were selected for the for the playoffs did you agree with the, the four teams they selected no i mean do i think alabama is better than ohio state yeah yes but at what point are we just rewarding teams on paper versus what they actually did during the season this is a to me, this is a horrible indictment of the current system when a team with a better resume gets left out just because everyone agrees the other team's better, even though they didn't prove it and didn't play a schedule close to the difficulty that the other team did. And Ohio State played more. Like Jake Trotter had a great tweet putting down Ohio State's resume. They beat two top ten teams. Uh, they played, I believe, like thirteen FBS opponents or twelve or thirteen. Alabama played like nine or ten. Uh, just it's it's not even close on paper. They won a conference championship. They, they have two losses, but they played Oklahoma. Like would Alabama beat Oklahoma? We don't know that. So I just I hated it. I think it's just and I do wonder if it's just an Alabama thing. Like had it been uh, had it been anyone other than Bama with the one loss? Like let's, let's say USC. Uh, although I guess they would have had the conference championship. I don't know. It's, to me, it's just a Bama thing. I just hate the. Well, I just think they're better, so we're going to put them in. Or I think they have more pros, so we'll put them in. I just I hate that logic, and it to me resume matters more than anything. Just that's it. Almost makes me miss the computers, Kyle, because there's obviously <laughs> some. No, seriously, there's some inherent biases here with with the committee and who Alabama is. Because let's face it, who did Alabama beat? Even their good wins, they struggled against A and M. Really struggled with Mississippi State. Uh, they did beat Florida State at the beginning of the year when Florida State was good, but I don't care if you lose your quarterback. You go 6-6, six and six, you're not a good football team. Georgia lost their quarterback, and they made the college football playoff. So this, this notion that Florida State was this great team and Alabama ruined them forever just because they lost their quarterback is nonsense. They clearly were not as good as we thought. So I just I, – and, and the, the really shady part of the whole thing was the committee – ranking fresno state and like mississippi state just so they could say well hey alabama beat two top 25 teams when those two those two teams had no business being in the top 25 so i I hated it 
The whole thing is a sham. It's silliness. It's the height of absurdity. Uh, Jesse Palmer said on Sunday, I think wins and losses matter here more than resume. I have no idea what the hell that means. Because what is your resume other than your wins and losses? Um, it, it is it is just preposterous that this is how we determine a national champion. It's absurd. And to your point, like if if I, I mean, there are so many logical fallacies with with the playoff committee and just the way that they sort of reverse engineer the data to to meet whatever whoever they pick in a given week and and I I, I don't <laughs> I can't blame them like there was there wasn't a and here's the thing Carson there wasn't a right or wrong answer with Alabama and Ohio State right like you can make a, a pretty good case for either one with Alabama it's well they're better and I, I think everyone thinks that I think that you probably think that you think the Big Ten is worse than like the Mountain West but then on the flip side, the case for Ohio State is, you know, the games they played on the field, the fact that they have a conference championship. And so whichever team you pick, you have to choose this set of data, this set of reasoning to justify your pick. And that is just a ludicrous way to determine a national champion. It's insane. It's fun, I guess. We get to sit here and make podcasts about it and argue about it or whatever, but it's it's just it's the height of insanity. And at some point you have to go to like what actually happens on the field and, and take this back to the Big 12. Oklahoma State's better than TCU. But guess what? They lost to TCU. That matters. That's why you play. That's why we that's why you don't determine the top 25 or, or the, the conference champions based on freaking recruiting rankings. That's why you play. play. Just play the games and and figure it out. And yet we we that's not how we're figuring it out. We're just picking teams arbitrarily because they have better players. What whatever that even means. Yeah, I mean Auburn or Alabama knew going into that Auburn game that that was basically a national quarterfinal essentially, and they knew it. They lost. That's their opportunity. Like we have sket we have conferences and divisions for a reason so that if you come out of that division that conference then you get to play for it all but now if you don't even come out of your division you still get to play for it all if you're named Alabama just the fact they picked two SEC teams when the SEC was horrible this year nowhere near as strong as it's ever been and the fact that at a four-team playoff they put two SEC teams in is, is preposterous it's absurd and we're just we're just lucky and fortunate that the, the rest of the country gets to play the SEC sport. Like we're just so fortunate they let us play football because <laughs> the fact that they you put in a four team playoff you pick two teams from the same conference is just ridiculous. And well, you know, and if Alabama doesn't like it, you know, like Alabama got rewarded for not playing anybody, for playing yeah eight eight FBS teams. Or was it was, nine? That, was that the number? It had to be at least nine. Are you talking well, yeah, about? They played. They played Mercer. Well, you're talking about Power Five teams, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they didn't. They basically because they played Colorado that, State. They played Colorado State, Fresno State, and Mercer. Those were their three. They played nine Power Five teams. Yeah, yeah. It's not good. Ridiculous. Um, I do have good news for Oklahoma State fans because I think that uh, we are about to get a Clemson OU national championship, uh, which is bad news for Oklahoma State fans. But the good news is. That's a rematch of the uh, 
the Camping World Bowl from what was it three years ago? <laughs> and so, the or and the Orange Bowl. Well, okay. Yeah, so maybe next year Oklahoma State's in the Orange Bowl against Virginia Tech, and then maybe in two years after that, they're in the national championship against Virginia Tech. There's 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 about to be a precedent here, I think. Do you think OU's going to play for the national championship? I do. I think they might win it, but if they play Clemson, I don't know. That's that's the one team I would be worried about. I don't think Alabama can score with OU. No, I no. just I don't see any way that Jalen Hurts can outscore Baker Mayfield, even with their defense. Um, but but Kyle, back to the playoff thing, like. To me, this is a scary notion for OSU fans. Yeah. If OSU had gone twelve and one and won the Big Twelve, would they have picked Bama over them? Well, they probably. Well, they picked Bama anyway. What do you what you mean? Well, like they picked if, them. They picked them over a two-loss Ohio State, but that's freaking Ohio State. What if it's just OSU with twelve and one? Let's say they lost to TCU and ran the table, beat OSU twice. You think they did that notion? Like my point I made on Twitter is like, if you have a Cinderella run, and OSU wouldn't even be considered a Cinderella, I guess, but like a team like, let's say TCU, for instance, this season. Yeah. Ran the table in the Big 12, beat everybody, but did it in an unimpressive fashion. If they were undefeated, I think they get in, but you better go undefeated because you have one loss, they're putting a team like Alabama or Ohio State in over you. That to me is what is wrong with this system. It would have been interesting because – I think there's a world in which world we live in. I think there's a world in which if Oklahoma State had ran the table after TCU, you would have had Georgia, um, Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama, and Alabama as your playoff, and a twelve and one Oklahoma State team out. Right. I I think I I don't know. I mean, who who knows how that plays out? But um, that would have been point. It's like that would have been crazy. Scary. This is scary for teams that aren't the bluest of the blue bloods. I mean, look what, look at the two that went to battle to get for the four spot. I mean, Alabama and Ohio State, one of those got left out. Yeah. So you think they're taking Oklahoma State if they have one loss? I just I don't see it under any circumstance because someone's yeah. going to win the <clears throat> mighty SEC. They're automatically in. Yeah. Bama, I guess, is in every year. <laughs> that, that, leaves, that leaves two spots. Yeah. The Well, I mean, the, the trump card there would have been that Oklahoma State beat OU twice. But – even then, I don't. I don't know. I mean, it's, you're you're right, and and you know, I, there's a part of me that that when you have five conferences for four spots, it makes it incredibly fun and dynamic, and it's changing all the time, and it's it's just it's super interesting. But then there's another part of me that's like Oklahoma State's never getting in, you know? Yeah. Like it, I just better go undefeated. I, yeah, and so do you change it to like, how do you fix that? Do you make it to where you have to win your conference championship? Do you make it to where you sort of meld these five conferences into four and you just take all four conference champs? Do you expand it to six? Do you expand it to eight? How how does that play out? I, I don't, I don't know the answer, but I do think that there will be some shuffling around the more and more teams like Ohio state, like Ohio state, like Alabama, that get left out, the more noise there's going to be from very powerful people within these organizations that kind of facilitate change in the future. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you got to go to eight teams with five conference champions getting in. I mean, every other division of football from high school to the pros has at least an 18 playoff. That to me is not very hard. You can even do six, give the top two teams a buy, make it six. If you don't want to dilute it too bad, but 
the fact there's only four spots for five conferences to me is asinine, and it just so it creates problems. If you do eight, do you do you play at the uh, the top four's home field in the first Absolutely. round? Absolutely. How cool would that be? So and all it does year, is make make more money for the schools and the conferences. So would you keep would you keep um, Gandhi's idea of keeping a, a group of five team in? Um, I just say three wild cards, whether that's a group of five or you know USC, you know whoever. Okay, now so that, the, I really don't care who the other three are. I think the five conference champs all deserve to be in. So this year it would be um, okay. So USC would be in. So that would knock out. Probably Auburn. Okay, so here's what it would be. It would be if Central. I think Central Florida should be a wild card. I mean, they're twelve and zero. They're good. Let's say they're a wild card. Let's say they're eight. So they would be at Clemson in round one. Um, USC would be at OU in round one. <laughs> that would yeah. be insane. Uh, Wisconsin would be at Georgia, and then Ohio State would be at Alabama. <laughs> Wow. Can I interest you in any of those matchups? Yeah. Carson? Like, would that be fun? Like, and, and then you can play the, you know, the big bowls after that. There's the next, and then you got the final four. Like, I, is more football bad? I don't think so. I mean, again, every division of football from high school to pros has figured it out. Why can't division one college football figure it out? I just, I don't get that. Yeah. I do think it's funny though, Kyle, that the big 10 got left out. Did you watch that Ohio state Wisconsin game? I saw bits and pieces. It looked grotesque. It looked like Union Owasso could have given each of those teams a game. Hornybrook and Barrett make Sam Ellinger look like Joe Montana. <laughs> they couldn't complete a pass. The only pass play they had was a dump-off screen. It's the only time they gained any yards throwing the football hardly. <laughs> it was embarrassing. It, was, it set football back. The fact people think the Big Ten is good is just hilarious to me. That's the two best teams in their conference. They could barely... Like that's what got that might have been what got Ohio State out more than their loss to Iowa by fifty five yeah. was yeah. the fact that they looked so bad against such an inept Wisconsin offense. Just awful. Yeah, totally. Um Okay, we need we need to we need to toast somebody. I forgot where I was at there for a second. You do, you okay? who, do you know who yeah, I had well, I had something I wanted to ask you and then I forgot it and I'm I'm discombobulated. Uh, do you know who you're toasting? I got to read the thing. Yeah. Man. Okay. Yeah, I do. Uh, it's time for the Coupel Works Toast of the Week. Coupel Works, bringing great tasting craft beer in Oklahoma City. Try the flagship F5 IPA, the Bold DNR Belgian Strong Ale, or the refreshing Horny Toad Blonde. For your next watch party tailgate or get together with friends, enjoy a cold Coupel Works and please remember to drink responsibly. Okay, Carson, who are you toasting today? I am going to toast Des Bryant. I'm going to crack open a. Elevator wheat, a Vader for days. Vader. Vader. Throw up the X at the top of that Vader. And, uh, you know, he set the Cowboys career record for touchdown catches. Just has had an unbelievable career. He's dealt with injuries, uh, dealt with quarterback change now, going from Tony Romo to, to uh, Dak Prescott. And he's just, he's consistent. I mean, that, he hasn't had the best of years of his career, but just the longevity he has. I mean, as, like it's amazing to me how Dez looked like a man amongst boys at the college level and still looked that way at the pro level, which all there is is freaks in the NFL. Yeah. He still looked like he was playing a kid's game yeah. as an adult. And that to me is what I'll always remember about Dez Bryant. He was kind of like Adrian Peterson playing wide receiver. And uh, just credit to him for setting that career mark. And uh, he'll probably have his name up in the uh, the ring of honor in Dallas, which is really cool. And I know it probably means a lot to him being a kid from Texas. So I want to toast Dez Bryant. 
Pretty awesome. I like that one. That's a good one. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go a little different. I'm gonna go uh, somebody who will probably not have their name in the Ring of Honor, but I'm gonna go with a native Amber uh, to a native Oklahoman, Brad Lundboyd. Uh, he's being honored this week in Oklahoma or in Oklahoma City in uh, New York City um, at something. I don't even totally know what it is, but I believe it's for. Uh, uh, scholar athletes and, and just his work in the classroom and pretty cool that he was a, a former walk-on that turned into a four-year starter and, and one of the more successful uh, offensive linemen Oklahoma State's had in the last, you know, five or six years. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. He I think he's going to be – we need to have like a post-2017 um, season draft for the guys that are graduating and moving on in terms of who we want to get on the podcast. He might be my number one pick. He's always fun in interviews. Seems like he's got a lot to say. Um, so yeah, native Amber to uh, to Brad Lumbud. I really like that. Good for him. I mean, he to go from a walk on to a four year starter and one of the best offenses ever in OSU history, or maybe even NCAA is pretty pretty cool accomplishment for him. So that's yep. that's really awesome. Yeah, totally. Uh, you want to do the the uni uh, preview while we're at it? Yeah. Let's get to this week's uniform. Preview brought to you by Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop on Campus Corner, and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Uh, we kind of wanted to talk about the the Camping World uh, Uni matchup, um, Virginia Tech, Oklahoma State. Just what what are your expectations for uh, for that Uni matchup? Is it is it a good one? Is it bad? What do, what do you think about it? It's kind of a mix and match with with Virginia Tech's colors, the maroon and orange with the orange and black of OSU, it could, it could look a little inner squatty depending on the, uh, yeah. The combos. I, I am hoping OSU is the home team, which always gives them more options. Obviously they were the road team last year in the Alamo. I'm not sure uh, who, even, who played in the camping world bowl last year. I'm going to try and figure that out because it was I think uh, they w- West, West Virginia, I think in Miami, maybe who was the home team in that? I wonder. <clears throat> I don't know. I'll look but, up a picture of it. Yeah. So here's my hope. I, I hope that Oklahoma State is the home team as well, and I hope they go out in in uh, black. Ooh, black. ooh! West Virginia wore their road uniforms last year, so I would assume they, I would assume they flip flop every year between which conference is home and away. So that, I think that would mean OSU is home. Well, I hope they are because I hope they go black, black, orange. Uh, something we haven't seen. This year, anyway, um, they just, they have vanilla at the end of the year or the whole year, really. We've talked about it, but I, I yeah, I, I hope that they go with that. And I think if you go, because I'm with you, I think if they go white, if Oklahoma State goes white, no matter what Virginia Tech goes, it could look a little like the same. Um, so I hope Oklahoma State goes like bold and black and orange, and you know gets it all out there. Um, yeah, more so yeah. more black, more black would be good. With yeah. how much orange Virginia Tech has and their maroon and all that. So yeah, I agree. Uh, I would like to see. Yeah, I really want to see the black, black, orange too. It's just such a great look. Uh, we haven't seen it since. I guess they wore it against Kansas State at home a couple years ago, and then prior mm-hmm. to that was 2011. Or black, but, orange, uh, black. Yeah, we haven't seen that really in the updated form yet either. I kind of predicted that a couple times down the stretch and got white, orange, white instead. That, that wasn't very much fun. But, um, yeah, I mean, it looks like to me they're going to be the home team. So that opens up a lot of combinations. And I tell you, Kyle, I, I saw a picture recently uh, just 
at work while I was looking up OSU stuff of the throwback helmet they wore in Homecoming. It looks even it looks even better than I remembered. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's it's incredible. I think it might be the best helmet they've ever worn. It's pretty cool. I yeah. love the uh, the numerals on that thing. That was pretty sweet. So I just I had that thought this week when I saw that. I was like, man, that was a great great helmet. Yeah. So it wasn't all bad. There was some disappointments as far as how bland they went at home, but um, <laughs> they, they still can rock the uh, homecoming helmet with the best of them. Yeah, totally. Um, you have a vested interest in uh, in what's going on in the, the coaching world in college football these days. Uh, I wanted to just get your reaction to, because we haven't really talked about it, but just uh, Jimbo Fisher going to Texas A&M. Um, and yeah, just the fallout from that and, and where you're at as an FSU fan right now. Well, I mean, at first, th- th- when the notion came, I was like, who in the world would leave Florida State for A&M? I mean, th- those jobs are not even comparable. But, I mean, you see the dollar figure that he got. I mean, it's fully guaranteed, $75 million for 10 years. It's hard to fault the guy. Uh, he had a lot of disagreements with some of the hierarchy at FSU. They- they've built him... When he got there, FSU was way behind in facilities, and when he became the head coach, he really got the ball rolling, and now they 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 have really good facilities. They have a bunch of stuff that he wanted request to be built. And now he wants some a football-only specific building, which they've already like started drawing up plans for, but he wants it built yesterday and just has been butting heads with the administration and has threatened to leave you know, three of the last four years. So I think finally both sides were just like, get like, let's just let's break this off. I think I think Florida State was as tired of Jimbo Fisher as he was of them. So I I hate to see him go. He's an elite coach. He won a national championship, obviously. Uh, I I will not miss watching his offense. They were 127th in the country in pace. Um, Friend of the show, Adam Lunt, who's also a fellow Seminole fan, he and I have been texting about this entire situation for the past couple weeks. His theory is Jimbo needs an elite quarterback and offensive line, and he hasn't had that other than the Jameis Winston years when he went 27-1. and after, before and after that, he's just been okay. So I think he and I are both excited about Willie Taggart, a young, 41 years old, elite recruiter, has Oregon's best class ever coming in at Oregon. Is, that, from, is, that, a, is that a done deal? Is it over? It's, it's going to be. I mean, that's all signs point to he's the front runner, and they've, they're pretty much offered him the job. They're just working out contract details. And He's from Florida, apparently grew up an FSU fan. I think he, he has – unbelievable potential as far as how much recruiting he'll be able to do. And he's done a heck of a job coaching. He turned around Western Kentucky, his alma mater. He played under Jack Harbaugh, learned from him, turned them around to double-digit wins, turned around South Florida from two wins to ten wins, and you see what Charlie Strong's doing with his current roster that he built. And he's already turned around. Oregon was a dumpster fire when he showed up. They're going to a bowl and have the best recruiting class they ever had coming in. So the guy knows what he's doing. There's a reason he's the clear front runner. And I'm excited to turn the page, honestly, because – I think Jimbo had kind of, you know, you're, you're at any place 10 years or close to it. That's when the clock starts ticking a little bit. I think we've seen that with Mike Gundy, too. That's when, you know, the last two or three years is when he started to flirt with other jobs and people, you know, you wear out your welcome after 10 years, and that's what happened at Tallahassee. Well, I, I don't have a dog in the fight, but I, I can't get enough of the coaching search season. I mean, the Christmas tree uh, uh, on the front lawn, the, <laughs> that the, was amazing. A, the Aggie band at the airport. The- Jim, Jimbo awkwardly doing the sawing of the horns or whatever they do where they sway and he just looks like deer in headlights. I saw, I saw, <laughs> yeah, he does. 
I saw a tweet that said, uh, if I didn't know who Jimbo Fisher was, I would think this was a an entrance for a dictator of a small country. <laughs> <laughs> when he got off the plane and the band's playing for him. It was it was incredible, and I tell you what, you know, I, I saw somebody else said, uh, it would "Give AM credit; they want it more than anybody else in the country wants it. Like they want it so bad." And I think you tweeted this. We're gonna find out if they're actually, you know, good or not. Basically, um, but I mean, the expectations going in. First of all, seventy-five mil guaranteed. Are you? Are we? Where are we at in society? That's insane. I mean, Travis Ford thinks that's insane. And well, where's his where's his incentive to be good now? Like, yeah, and you can and fire the, him; he still gets seventy five million bucks. And then the expectation that you know, I, I saw that one of their administration said, "Well, we let the Sugar Bowl know we'd like to be at that, you know, accept their bid next year." And it's like, holy hell! Like, <laughs> what a what a uh, a bar to clear in year one. My gosh, like. You know, surely nothing can go wrong here. I, I just, it, the whole thing is, it's crazy, man. It's crazy where college football is at and where, te- you know, places like A&M that they haven't, they haven't won anything. That You know, they won the big, we talked about this, they won the Big 12 once. They were sort of a contender in the Big 12 South sometimes. And they just, they think they're Bama, you know? And, and they're not the only place. Tennessee thinks they're Bama. A lot of places just, they, they, they don't. I don't know. It seems like there's not a long-term vision there. And, and I think that, you know, that, that's where I go back to, to Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State. I appreciate the fact that they built slowly and they've done it well and they've sustained it over time. It's hard to do. And everybody wants it. Everybody wants to do it. But it's really difficult to do. Yeah. And part of that, I think Jimbo, he coached with Saban. So I think he must know that Nick's not going to coach more than a couple more years, right? I mean, once he once he gets off the off the ground and running at A and M, he, I gotta think he has some intel there since they're so tight. I don't know how if he is, wants to go head to head with with Saban. How old is Jimbo? Oh, let's see here. I think he's in his fifties. Uh, he's not he's not super old. He's fifty two. So him and Gundy are, are basically the same age. What what did um, what did you think about Scott Frost in Nebraska? Because you tweeted out that video. That that Nebraska uh, put out there, man, that that was awesome. Like just the basically the I'm coming home of college football, and yeah, it was know, so cool. It made me think of what what Oklahoma State could have done with Gottlieb, but I know people don't want to hear about it. They're you know t- fine. Turn the podcast off. I don't care. You've already listened for forty minutes, but <laughs> uh, it it just uh, and Gottlieb tweeted about this too. He said, you know, everybody has a story to tell, and it's it's a lot cooler when you're telling your own story. You know, the story that you lived out. And I just thought that that Nebraska thing was was awesome. I thought it was the coolest. Yeah, I mean, growing up in Big Twelve country, obviously OSU wasn't any good. So like you'd watch the national games, and you know, I idolized Nebraska. They were obviously unbelievably good under Tom Osborne and Scott Frost was awesome. Tommy Frazier. They were a lot of fun to watch. So I, I watched Scott Frost play quarterback. I thought it was that was my first like entrance into how absurd arguments of college football can be. Like, yeah, I'm convinced Nebraska would have beat Michigan that year by 30 had they played, <laughs> and they split the national title. Yeah, I mean, they, Michigan barely beat a an average Washington State team, and Nebraska beat the number two team in the country by like 40 or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. So, or I think I'm thinking of the Tommy Frazier year, but 
Nebraska was so much better. And um, so, no, it's cool. It's it's going to be fascinating to see him take over as alma mater. I think he sees the, the weak Big Ten division they're in and just says, man, all I got to do is beat Wisconsin and I, I win this division every year. It's fantastic. I'm going to come in here and I'm going to throw the forward pass, see what this league thinks of that. Yeah, there's going to be so, some – you know there was like a, a contingent of Nebraska alums that were like, how many times a game does this guy throw it? Like, what, what are we doing? Where are oh, we they're, they're so desperate to win. They don't even care about the option anymore. <laughs> They've been running, you know, Bill Callahan's offense, Mike Riley's, Bo Pelini's. Like, they're just ready to score points and win. Yeah, I, I think he's going to crush there. I think it's going to be pretty impressive. Um, okay, uh, let's take one more break to hear from our sponsor, Chris's University Spirit again, and then we will uh, come back and talk a little bit of hoops and wrap things up. Chris's University Spirit on Campus Corner in Stillwater, Oklahoma is proud to be your one-stop cowboy shop since 1986 and proud sponsor of this podcast, Pistols Firing. They specialize in custom-printed Oklahoma State apparel and merchandise and pride themselves on their excellent customer service. They also offer a full line of custom Greek apparel and can even outfit your Little League team head-to-toe. They're located at the corner of 3rd and Knobloch on Historic Campus Corner. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Shop Stilly, shop Chris's University Spirit. Okay, Carson, uh, about a week ago, Mike Boynton sent out a tweet uh, that had that's had the uh, attendance for Oklahoma State through its first few home games in Gallagher-Iba. It was like 4,400, something like that. And he, he put the... Uh, I don't even know what the emoji is called, with the guy scratching his chin, basically, like... Like the curious emoji. I, I don't. I don't know what it is. Um, how'd that go over with you? What do you think about him sending that out? Oh, I think that's kind of a sign of where we're at today with social media, where coaches can just put that out there if they want. And I don't really have a problem with it. If I was if I was in his shoes and I saw Gallagher have it empty, I'd be one to kind of fire people up too. So I didn't really have a problem with it. But I do think he needs to understand the schedule they've played, the time of year it is. Students aren't even on campus. Uh, mainly just the time of year and the schedule they've played is not going to get people to show up. Like who's going to a the – Sunday, the Sunday game after Thanksgiving at like 2 o'clock on a Sunday of a holiday weekend. Like that's just bad scheduling. I don't know when you put that to make it better scheduling, but I know no one's going to that game. And the teams they've played have not been good at all. So I think – It'll improve based on um, the schedule improving and once they get to Big 12 play. How much, I don't know, and a lot of that's out of his hands. I think that the team's played pretty well. I've been pretty impressed with what I've seen so far. But, uh, again, the competition will get tougher. And, and look, and this is nothing against Mike Boynton. I, I like Mike Boynton. He came on our podcast, so we're, we're fans of Mike Boynton. Uh, but I said when they hired him, like, this was going to happen. Like, fans needed a rallying cry. And hiring an assistant coach from Brad Underwood's staff was not it. And I don't think that was any way to get fans in the door. And I guess prices have increased for season tickets is what I've, I've heard. That to me, you know, that's, not, that's, a, that's out of Mike Boynton's hands too. I mean, who's going to spend their time and money for that to, to go to a weekday game in Gallagher-Iba against a team that nobody's heard of? So I, there's, some, there's some incumbent challenges that, that Mike Boynton's facing that, aren't, that are out of his control. So I don't really have a problem with him trying to do as much as he can. Yeah, I I I, th- I think that um, 
I go back and forth. I think it's hard because I'm I'm with you. Like <clears throat> I want him fired up about stuff like that. But I also think it kind of comes off like I don't know. I just think that it it could potentially rub some people the wrong way and I mean, it, it's hard because the, the Oklahoma State basketball fans were fragile as it is, you know, just because of everything in the in the post basically the post Eddie era. And now they've had all these stops and starts in the last three years between Ford getting bought out and Underwood, oh, we're excited, and then Underwood leaving, oh, we're not, you know. And even in the Underwood season, there were ups and downs. Lose your first eight uh, Big 12 games, oh, this guy sucks. You know, win win seven of your next time, oh, this guy's awesome. Like, it's just been such a roller coaster that I think right now, especially – without having played anybody good, like you said, it's people are just, they don't want to get on it yet, you know? And I think that's fair. I mean, it, it stinks. I, I hate it for just as a, you know, someone who covers the team, a fan of, of college hoops, whatever. Uh, I'm interested to see what the Wichita state game looks like. Cause that's, that's a big time game. I mean, they, they played a and M that was big up in Brooklyn, but Wichita State at home on a Saturday when most people should be in town. That's that's a big deal, and I'm interested to see if they if they even come close to filling it up. Because I think if you don't fill that up, and and even if Oklahoma State loses but plays pretty well, I think you got a real case to say like, what's the deal here? Like, what, why are why are people not coming out? And I don't know. It, it'll be inter- this season's going to be pretty interesting. But I just I don't. I honestly don't see it get, getting a ton better uh, over the course of the next year, or maybe even two or three. Well, here's the other deal. Your, your top assistant's being investigated by the FBI. Like, yeah, that's not exactly not your fault. I mean, that's not exactly a great way to start your tenure at Oklahoma State, having to hold a press conference about the FBI investigating your top assistant, the guy you called your brother. Like that, that factors in too. I mean, it's it's not it's not exactly you know. I I would advise him just to keep winning. I mean, that that solves all issues. So I think that would. That would go further than any tweets or anything else. And I do you agree that I think they've played pretty well this far? I mean, it's been again against some pretty poor competition, but uh, they seem to know what they're doing. Um, yeah, they've they've been fine. You know, I, I thought that um, I thought they played decent against A and M. They didn't hit any shots. If they hit some shots, they're actually in that game. Um, and then against against Pitt, they, Pitt's not that good, and and I don't I don't feel like they played as well as they could have. But yeah, I mean, so far they've been they've been solid. Now, uh, you know, come Big Twelve play, that could change, probably will change. But Saturday will be a, a good barometer. Wichita State is good; they're legit. And if you hang with them, if you beat them, even at home, that's a big deal. And uh, so yeah, I'm interested to see how that how that plays out. Um, but yeah, it's just, I don't know, for whatever reason, it, it, it is difficult to get super fired up about Oklahoma state hoops, unfortunately. And I mean, it, honestly, that kind of works to his advantage a little bit because you can, if you're starting this low, there's nowhere to go, but up, right? Like, and if you start building something over time, let's say you win 15 games this year, 18, the year after 22, 20, you know, something like that, then, it starts to turn into a real thing again in year two, three, or four. Um, so I don't know. Who knows if we ever get there, but uh, you you can leverage the fact that people aren't coming a little bit to your advantage over the course of the next four or five years. Right, for sure, because college basketball, home court affects so much, more so than almost any other sport. 
so that that does play a big factor. And and in OSU fans' defense too, like Mike Holder sent a message to them about where he ranks OSU basketball in the list of importance. He hires a search firm and then hires an assistant from the coach that left and pays him well below the, the market value of a Big 12 coach. Like, at what point are OSU fans looking at Mike Holder saying, well, this guy's not doing everything he can to win a basketball. Why am I, why am I showing up? That's probably what fans are saying. So I, I, I kind of understand both sides. I understand where Mike Boyden's coming from, and I also understand where OSU fans are they're voting with their, their seats and their money, how they felt about the move. Butts in the seats. Yeah, I mean, that, that's fair, right? Yeah, totally. And, and I think that, you know, I, I put out a poll question on Tuesday, and one of my choices was just Holder, Brad Underwood, fallout. I think that's a real thing, and I think people are just frustrated with kind of the trajectory of the entire program. And, um, yeah, I, I, I think it would be different if Underwood was still there, just in terms of continuity, not because – Oklahoma State would be I don't I don't I think the record would probably be the same I think they'd be seven and one with a loss to Texas A&M but you'd at least have the continuity of hey remember what we did last year you know Jeffrey Carroll's still here I I, I don't know it just seems like it would be a, at least a little bit better um, but I don't know we'll see over the course of the next few weeks and months yeah and let's see let's see how he does on the recruiting trail and give him a couple of years I'm not here to I'm not here to bury Mike Boyne by any means. He's got the job, so let's yeah. see what he can do. And I'm interested to see what type of talent he brings in because I think ultimately that will decide uh, wins and losses and his fate as OSU's coach. Yep, totally. Um, okay, that's all I got. You got anything else, Carson? No, that's it. Uh, Thursday we'll do a mailbag. Yeah, planning on it. I'm sure there will be a lot of Gundy talk. Maybe a little bit of, of uh, I don't know. I don't know how much people want to talk about the bowl, but um, we'll talk about the Big 12, Gundy, bowl season, coaching season. Hopefully there's more Christmas trees on front lawns before then. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you then. Okay. See you, dude. Okay. See you.